What is it with my preference to run lower-powered fantasy games? Is it avoidance of complexity, a desire to withhold cool stuff from my players, or an underlying lack of confidence in my ability to run complex games? Or is it something else? Is it my love of the underdog? If you say the real life fills up your days And you don't have time to play Well, midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing phase And you need a rescue Chase coming at you with a rescue A role-play rescue Chase gonna help my friend Let's sit down to Hello, Rescuers. My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost roleplaying hobby. Today, I wanted to explore the idea of lowering the power level in my gaming. Someone pointed out to me recently that this is a repeated theme in several episodes, and something that runs through the DM's diary as well. The preference I have for characters with fewer powers. Is this an avoidance of complex rules and lists of powers which lead me to feeling overwhelmed? Is this a run back to the past where games were simpler and characters were weaker? Perhaps it's the mark of a competitive GM who hobbles his players so he can feel masterful. Perhaps. But then, perhaps not. For me, the appeal is rooted in a strong desire to see the little guy, the put-upon serf, the working-class hero, rise to challenge the status quo. Wrapped up in this preference is a desire to change the world as it exists in our collective imaginations and to shift the moral balance from evil towards good. This is more than simple points on a character sheet. This is a call for action. This is Season 9, Episode 8 underdogs Rescue! in short i prefer games in which the player characters are underdogs who progress towards overcoming a more powerful opposition this model tends to encourage me to seek a longer term game through which characters progress from low powered and perhaps humble beginnings towards greater power which it is hoped they will use for good Underneath all of that is a whole pile of assumptions and decisions about the kinds of worlds I'd like to explore. There's the idea of incremental progression, assumptions about moral good and evil, and a whole bunch of essentially political ideas about the use and abuse of power. And I think some of it arises from my Britishness. At the risk of raising the spectre of nationalism, a political attitude that I find deeply dangerous and simplistic, I do wonder about the character of the British way of thinking. We do seem to like the idea of ourselves as a great nation held down in a dangerous world, punching above our weight on the grand stage of empire. Brits generally like an underdog, I think. We love it when the little guy rises up and smites down authority. We will fight them on the beaches, won't we? I think it's one of the strongest threads of British national identity to compare ourselves to other nations and powers moaning about their abuse of little old blighty. Hmm. What's this got to do with my gaming? Well, I grew up in memory of the post-war era, 
My grandparents fought or served during World War II. My father served in the UK Armed Services and saw action in Northern Ireland against terrorism. And he also lived, as we all did, under the spectre of nuclear, chemical and biological Armageddon before the fall of the Berlin Wall and the shift away from Cold War with the Soviet Union. I grew up with nuclear attack drills, air raid sirens and shelters. We talked regularly about the impending and inevitable, as it seemed to us, Third World War, especially during the Reagan administration in the USA. We watched all the nightmare nuclear attack survival films, such as Threads, and on top of that, we lived through the era of the HIV-AIDS pandemic and felt the existential fear of that too. But through all of it, I was trained to believe that British pluck and our national spirit would overcome it all. And in some ways, perhaps it did. For my gaming, I began with Traveller and RuneQuest. In the science fiction far future, you created a character who rose from a nobody and can finish up a high-ranked officer ready to retire into becoming a traveller, journeying and adventuring across many worlds after a possibly illustrious career. You could equally die ignominiously at the fate of the dice and any particular term of service. To be honest, I preferred the character creation game more than the actual game, I liked discovering how my character would become somebody from nobody. In RuneQuest, characters were nobodies. You got some pretty random attributes and a bunch of low percentage skills, and it was up to the player to take that newly made character and survive in a hostile fantasy world. This game I loved for the rich suggestions of Glorantha as a world, but also because you had to make something of yourself. You could be killed by a child with a stick just as easily as anyone else. This was truly the essence of the zero-to-hero experience of play, as some like to call it. My friends generally hated this. You die too easily, they complained. They complained about this with D&D too. That said, they didn't much like Golden Heroes either, a game that Daniel bought when it came out. Because it was too easy to win as a superhero. I think I still feel that way about many modern, higher-powered games. I want to feel like a grounded, vulnerable person in a hostile world, and then I want to be clever enough and lucky enough to rise up against the odds. As a kid, I disliked feeling powerless. But I also disliked being patronised. I didn't want people to give me what I wanted. I wanted to earn what I have. I don't have great wealth or influence in my life, but I am proud of what I have achieved. First and only member of my family to go to a university and graduate, and to have left home and built a life with my wife, to be independent of my parents and her parents. These things matter to me. When life was hard, and we have had our fair share of difficulties, we work together to overcome them. And I think role-playing games helped me to develop my ideas about this stuff when I was growing up. And that's at the root of how I see myself too, I guess. Underdog put upon by the great and the good, outsider to the upper echelons of British society, imposter in the professional middle classes. It's kind of weird, really. When I play a character in a game, I want to have some cool abilities and fantastic powers. But they feel better when I earn them. I don't mind starting out with some raw attributes, a simple set of gear, and my wits as a player 
Remember, I am a tactician in terms of playstyle. I like to play in a consistent world with understandable rules that I get to use to feel clever. I dislike it when the GM makes arbitrary decisions and the game is inconsistent. I prefer structured rules that I can learn and manipulate in play. Overall, I like it when play is grounded in standard physics as a baseline. Magic and psionic powers, superpowers or whatever, that stuff needs to be used for specific effect, not just be a box of additional weapons for the fight scenes. While the power gamer part of my psyche gets excited by cool powers and effects, after the initial few uses of said powers, my inner explorer gets bored. And the worst thing in gaming is being too powerful. When the opposition becomes silly, I am done. I want to overcome believable opposition, challenges that feel meaningful. I don't want to travel to Olympus and slay all the gods. So I want to start out with little and earn my abilities. I like it when games allow me to incrementally improve my character's skills. I enjoy discovering a new spell for my wizard, finding the scroll, deciphering it, adding it to my spellbook. All these steps are important to me. D&D lost me when you got a new spell every level, irrespective of the situation, hand-waved with the assertion that adventuring wizards are always studying and working on new spells in their downtime. Yeah. I want to dig that spell out of the rubble and learn it. I want stuff no one else has, or at least I prefer the discovery of lost things. The narrative of the underdog going out into the wilderness and returning with the artifact needed to slay the tyrant or defeat the dragon, that's the narrative I enjoy. In some ways, I think I'm playing and replaying a classic story, but it never seems to grow old. Or perhaps I just don't get to play it out all the way. I don't really know. I mean, I haven't come across a GM who offers his experience combined with the deep exploration of the world since I was a teenager, and so I think I became motivated to offer that experience, except that somewhere along the way I got lost and forgot why I was playing. And so I find myself today, the GM offering the deep world and the journey of the hero. So is this simply a very specific application of the classic hero's journey as proposed by Joseph Campbell? Possibly. Thinking about it, I do like it best when player characters discover the true nature of the world around them through play. For this reason, I largely avoid setups that involve access to huge reams of notes about the game world. I think it works better with the farm boy archetype, the naive character who discovers what they thought was real isn't. Yeah, I enjoyed Luke Skywalker's journey in Star Wars because I truly love the monomyth. But I also want this to unfold naturally, unforced and arising from the situations placed before the potential heroes. And this is another key point. Player characters are, in my mind, potential heroes. They might complete the hero's journey and return with the ability to defeat the big bad, forever changed. But they might also die in a puddle of blood when a child stabs them with a stick. I'm not fussy on which character becomes the hero. My point is that you don't start out as a hero. Heroes are made, not bought, and certainly not rolled up fully formed. 
that bypasses a great deal of the fun of the journey, if you ask me. I think I am drawn to stories of the little guy, the village with a troll problem, the community with a shortage of medical supplies that which needs to send out colonists to acquire the goods, the actions of small-scale agitators who beat the odds to overcome. Court intrigue never really interested me. Superheroes are fun for an evening or two, but the hero made from nothing? That is the story I love to tell. Which brings me to questions of application. My summer project is a rather specific one. I have been inspired to draw on a bunch of different resources from my past and shape them into a game that offers a deep, rich world plus the hero's journey of the underdog. I'm picking up a certain set of 3D6 based rules and shaping them to fit my needs. And to begin, I'm going to start with a fantasy realm loosely based around a favourite map of mine, the map of the known world that I first saw in the pages of the Palladium fantasy role-playing game. The plan is to use the map, always a source of inspiration for me, and offer a fantasy world with some twists. I will happily cherry-pick ideas from the extensive collection of Palladium books that I own, but I am also intending to add my own spice to the mix, and certainly take a load of different rules. The goal is to create a deep world, a rich vein of lore and mystery to explore in play, and the characters will all be from the lower classes, underdogs seeking to break out from under the conditions that keep them down. The last strand in this theme is that of rebellion. As long as I can remember, I have enjoyed the narrative of Rebels Against the Overlords, in my fantasy world, this is the key motivator. Revolution, change, overcoming, struggle against tyranny, rebellion. And I think this is the classic motif of the underdog. Robin of Loxley is in my cultural DNA. We are, I think, a nation built on the myths of Arthur and Beowulf. And we are, at heart, underdogs snapping at the heels of a tyrant. And so, as I move forward into my gaming... I'm pondering all of this mix, this DNA of the underdog, this desire to rise up, to find a path from evil to goodness. And I'm going to try and bring it to the table for those who want to take up the challenge. I wonder if anyone else is interested. So I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope that's of interest. But before I finish off this episode, I wanted to break back into an older format and share with you a set of call-ins I received from my good friend, Arlen Walker. Arlen is interested in trying to provide a game that will be satisfying for me. And, well, I think he'll explain it better in his call-ins. But I just wanted to share these thoughts, because they were just really fab, and they came hot on the heels of the recent call-in episode. So I guess it's better that I shut up and let Arlen say his piece. Hey, Shay, it's Arlen. Um, I'm going to preemptively apologize for the audio quality, which I suspect is not as good as usual because I'm not in my usual setup. Um, I'm, I'm at my parents' house dog sitting, and so um, I'm using my mom's computer, and she doesn't have a dedicated microphone. Anyway, um, 
but your last uh, call-in episode, the the call-in um, collection from the current season, the most recent one on Patreon, got me really thinking about um, this project that we're talking about doing. Um, for the listeners who don't know, Che and I have been talking about this idea of exploring fantasy worlds and deep setting exploration and all that sort of stuff. And um, I'm going to run a game that is based on that concept. And specifically, I've been thinking about what I want from my secondary worlds in addition to what you want from your secondary worlds. Um, and and thinking about that has been really good. So uh, I thought it was a it's a really interesting thing. Um, Paul's call-ins in the the call-in show, I thought were really great. Partly because one of the things that he identified was the the role of theme in these worlds, and I think that's a big thing for me. You know, one of the reasons that I don't like generic fantasy land is it feels to me like not only is the kind of actual detail of the world not up to par with its inspirations, especially Tolkien, but that there's it's like Tolkien without any of the sort of thematic depth that I associate with Tolkien. You know, there there just isn't any of that there. Um, and I should know because when I was in sixth grade, I tried to write my sort of fantasy stories because I was so inspired by the Lord of the Rings, and um, they were trash of course because i was you know 11 or however old sixth graders are but anyway um part of the the point one of the things that i found was that it was very easy to just sort of have stuff happen but very difficult to make that sort of stuff matter and that's something that i find within kind of my own writing and my own um rpg play is that you know it's very easy to just have things happen but it's difficult to have them have the kind of uh, thematic weight that I associate with really good literature and with really good games. And so that's one of the things I've been thinking about for this uh, setting exploration game, this uh, bone crunch game that we're talking about doing, how to convey depth and theme in particular through storytelling and how to do that in a situation that, you know, in a number of ways as if we're kind of taking the perspective of storyteller from our RPG game mastering. And I don't mean in a sense that we've, as a game master, kind of written out a story that the players must follow, but in the sense that we're collaboratively creating a story with the players there's a number of, of limitations there and, and kind of, you know, one of the things is we don't have the benefit of editing the way that, um, you know, writers and, and, and filmmakers and all of them do. So there's something there that's probably, maybe I'll talk about that on my podcast, who knows. But anyway, I wanted to thank you for the recent episodes and, um, yeah, just sort of talk a little bit about my thoughts on all of that material um, and and what it is that makes a world stand out. Um, because I think I think there are a lot of worlds that either or often both don't have the real um, 
a sort of realistic feeling, right? That it feels like this isn't a real medieval world because this is a lot more like, I've heard uh, the description that uh, D&D worlds are often more like the Wild West than they are like real medieval worlds that the the sort of structure, you know, the party rolls into town and deals with some issue and then goes somewhere else is more like the sort of idealized man with no name story than it is like an actual kind of authentic medieval story. And then often these worlds also don't have the kind of commitment to thematic depth, I think, that we might uh, hope for in certainly in literature and film and other forms of storytelling. Anyway, which is not, it's fine if people like that. I know, you know, there are people that we play with that are just fine with worlds that are just sort of a, a sort of stage for the the characters and the players to have fun on. Um, but I don't think that lends itself to this kind of deep setting exploration. And so I'm, I'm thinking a lot about what it takes to get that kind of depth to the setting that is worth exploring, right? Because I think that's one of the big things you can sort of say, oh, we're going to do all this setting exploration. But then if there's nothing, no reason to explore, there's nothing worth uncovering, then it doesn't really work. So anyway, loving the show, as always. You know me. I'm, I don't always call in, but I'm definitely always listening, um, including to the Dungeon Master's Diaries on Patreon, which... Uh, for anybody who is listening to just Roleplay Rescue and not the Dungeon Master's Diaries, you know, if you join the Patreon, you can listen to the Dungeon Master's Diaries and get even more Roleplay Rescue content, hear more about Che's thoughts, and it's great content. So um, worth, in my opinion, worth every penny. And um, yeah, um, okay, I've been rambling, so I will call it there. But um, thank you so much for all that you do podcast-wise, Che, and um, I will talk to you soon. All right, see ya. So big thanks to Arlen, because I felt that connected really well with what I wanted to say today about the underdog. I'm wanting to explore that world, but I guess the theme, the narrative drive of that world for me is the rise of the underdog, the rise of the rebellion. And I felt that, I don't know, Arlen's call really just helped me crystallise a few of the thoughts that I had put down ready before I recorded this. So just want to thank you, man, and also just thank you publicly for making the attempt to run a game which I can take part in and which promises, you know, that depth and theme that I find so enriching. That's it for this week on Roleplay Rescue. Big thanks to Arlen Walker, live from Pelham's Wasteland, for his contribution to this episode and also for contributing to my thinking. If you enjoyed the show and want to support the podcast, there are a bunch of things that you could do. Most generous of all, you could leave a review or positive rating. If you're on Twitter, follow me at UbiquitousRat. And big thanks to all the listeners who not only follow me, but also like and retweet episode announcements. If you're on MeWe, you can look me up and connect, or you could find the Roleplay Rescue page. If you have comments, you could drop me a call in via anchor.fm slash rpgrescue, 
or email your sound recording directly to hello at rpgrescue.com. If you are looking for more Roleplay Rescue, check out the blog at roleplayrescue.com where I randomly post quick thoughts and gaming stuff as the whim takes me. If you want to buy me a digital coffee by way of thanks, why not drop by ko-fi.com slash cwebster. And finally, if you want to support the show with a little pocket change on a regular basis, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you to all the patrons. You guys keep me energised and motivated. Links to all of these places can be found in the show notes. Thanks to TJ Drennan for the main theme and stingers. Thanks to Anchor for airing and distributing the podcast to a huge range of podcatching services. And thanks to you, the listener. Well, for listening. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on. (laughs) 